What is up, guys, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Bleeding BNG Podcast, episode 55. So as I told you guys in our last episode, um, right before the schedule release, that we're going to be touching base from the NFL schedule release. So to give you a timestamp as we do for every episode, today is Sunday, May 15th, and it's about 8 o'clock p.m. So the schedule was actually released on Thursday, and the reason that we didn't want to delve right in and hop into the schedule, because we're going to do a record prediction as well. And if you guys can remember, if you guys have been bleeding being G-Fans for a while, you guys can remember that we did this last year, and um, we had some rather ambitious, some rather ambitious um, sites for the Washington football team as they were in the moment um, last year. So the reason that we didn't rush into it and give you guys some instant reaction and things like that is honestly, we didn't want to sound crazy. We didn't want to sound as crazy as we did last year. I think last year we had us winning somewhere around 12 games um, with Ryan Fitzpatrick as our quarterback and things like that. Um, so we didn't. I, I wanted to sit back. I wanted to, you know, delve into the schedule, and I wanted to give it, you know, some bleeding BNG expert analysis. But before we do that, if you're checking us out on YouTube, be sure to comment, be sure to like, and be sure to subscribe. I'm seeing that subscription count rise with every video. I'm seeing our view count rise with every video. I'm loving the interactions, and be sure to keep it up because, like I said, we love chopping it up with our Washington Commander community, and we're trying to get to that 1K number. We're trying to get there before the season, and. We're trying to hit 500 before the training camp. And if we keep going at this rate, I don't see why we can't. So we're going to be keep pushing out these content, um, some amazing content over at Bleeding B&G. Because as I said in our last episode, football season is right around the corner. I'm getting allergies, but my, 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 my sinuses are acting up. So that's how I know. That's how I know. The spring is here. The summer is right around the corner. So Richmond, Ashburn, wherever training camp is going to be, it's, it's right around the corner. Um, it's what? We're within, what, the eight-week eight span in the training camp? Um, so I'm excited for football. And be sure if you're checking this out on any podcast platform, but specifically Apple Podcasts or um, Spotify, be sure to leave a rating and a review. Let's finesse these algorithms so that when you're searching anything, Washington Commanders, Bleeding B&G is the number one content hub that comes up. We're trying to finesse these algorithms because we're trying to give you the best content on the Washington Commanders over here on this digital airspace. So before we go ahead, um, we're going to delve into, you know, the schedule preview and this record prediction. But before we uh, go ahead into our record prediction, we, I actually want to talk about some things that I took away from the schedule just off initial glance and things like that. Um, so the first thing uh, that I wanted to touch base on regarding the schedule and things like that is that we only have two primetime games. And I was wondering if this is a pro or a con, um, and I'm leaning towards um, just with regarding the Washington football team, the Washington Commanders. I think that, you know, with our history, I think that this can actually be um, a pro because, you know, we have struggled on primetime football, whether that be, you know, over the course of any regime, over the course of, what, the last 20 years, like, a, like I've said, with a lot of the issues regarding the Washington Commanders, the only common denominator is Dan Snyder, but another common denominator throughout regimes is us struggling on primetime football. Um, so in that aspect, it's a pro. Uh, one of the reasons that, you know, I was kind of down on it is that, you know, we all love feeling like, you know, our team is the talk of the town for that night. Uh, we love feeling like all eyes are on our team, and we love feeling like our team is, you know, performing on the biggest stage, whether that be Sunday night football, Thursday night football, Monday night football, or whatever the stage may be. Primetime football is primetime football. So I was kind of bummed at the fact that we only had two primetime games, but in the case of, you know, our history uh, without, no you know, not, not performing and not playing up to, 
you know, up to, you know, primetime performances on primetime football. If you look at our course, especially Monday Night Football, if you look at our record over the course of the Dan Snyder era, our, 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 our primetime record is horrible. And if you can just look at our games that we had last year, the, I, I, they're coining our game against Dallas. While I think it's too soon to call, coining that, the Sunday Night Massacre, um, kind of a playoff our 2010 Monday Night Massacre against um, the Philadelphia Eagles. So if you got two names, Two games named after you within a decade, um, just based off of primetime games. You know that's just not your time slot. You know that's just not your time slot. And what I, uh, the only cause of it is that you know I, I I I I don't I love I love watching primetime football. I love having those are the best announcers week in and week out. Those are the lead announcers, so you're often getting the best analysis and things like that. Um, but it's nothing that I'm going to, you know, sit and pout about because I do like the rhythm of, you know, having more of our games at, you know, Sunday at one o'clock because I think that, you know, that's, that's football time. You know, that's always football time, no matter if your team is playing or not. You know that at 1 o'clock on Sunday, you lock yourself in your man cave, you lock yourself in your basement, or you, wherever you watch your football, that's football time. So I do like the rhythm of that, and um, Washington has a slew of, you know, 1 o'clock, um, you know, 1 o'clock Sunday, um, Sunday afternoon games. Um, so I think that, you know, that kind of goes with, you know, us not doing as well as ratings. Uh, as far as, you know, us, you know, not living up to the ratings that we have in the past, you know, we were one of the biggest markets in the NFL for decades, but us struggling to sell out the stadium, us struggling to get ratings on TVs and things like that. The perception of this franchise has changed tremendously. Um, so the first uh, thing that I noticed was only two primetime games. Um, another thing that I noticed that is we have four instances where we play opponents on shorter rest. Uh, we play opponents on either 10-day rest or um, longer while we're playing at either seven days rest or shorter. Um, and those instances are week 10 against the Atlanta Falcons, week 13 against the New York Giants, week 16 against the San Francisco 49ers, and week 18 versus the Dallas Cowboys. And like I said, I mean, there's other uh, NFL teams um, that, you know, also have these instances and also have to experience this with their schedule and things like that. I wanted to say that the only things that, you know, I noticed it. Um, the things that are positive. Oh, excuse me. I said week uh, 10 against the Atlanta Falcons. That's actually week 10 against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the biggest thing that I noticed with that is three of those instances are against divisional opponents. Um, this is something that we faced last year, you know, coming off the short week with the COVID um, against, you know, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And um, on that Tuesday night game, I believe we played them on. And then going around with the twick, uh, quick turnaround and playing the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night. You know, that that was against, you know, the, the divisional round robin as, you know, Coach Rivera like um, to coin, you know, that run last year. And that hurt us. That hurt us. Not only the COVID, but us playing on five days rest. You know, we were switching out bodies and things like that. So I know other teams have to go through it. So I don't want to, you know, harp on it too much. But, you know, it is something to talk about. Rested teams, that is a factor in the game. And that's just something that I noticed. Um, so there are four instances where we play opponents on at least 10 days rest um, while we be facing um, seven, um, seven days rest, you know, normal rest times and things like that. Um, the third thing that I wanted to mention before we actually got into our record prediction is that we actually had the late bye week. The latest bye week possible for the NFL is actually a week 14 bye. Uh, and, you know, I was teetering on whether I liked it or not, uh, watching, the, looking at the schedule initially and delving into the schedule initially. And honestly, I do. I do. Because if I think that, you know, if we are... 
if this team is going to perform like we, we want them to be and what we think they're going to be, I honestly think they're going to be a good team this year. And you're going to um, see that with our record prediction, not to let the cat out of the bag too much. Um, but if we if we um, uh, if the team is expected to be good be good or do as good as I expect them to be, that week fourteen bye is going to be uh, um, helping them prepare for a late run and a playoff push, um, where you know rest is essential and getting your players healthy towards the end of the season, um, because you know health um, is one of the biggest factors in the playoffs. It's not only the best team, but it's the healthiest team come January and February. Um, so that late bye can help. Uh, but the biggest thing is getting there. You know, you do have 14 weeks. Um, you do have 13 weeks before that prior where you have to stay healthy. But even if you have players that get er um, injured earlier in the season, having that late bye, having those two weeks to recover um, when you go know, you pass the PUP list and the things like that, um, that buys you extra time um, to recover and get ready for that playoff push. Um, so the late bye, uh, while it was something I was teetering on, I'm coming over towards the edge, uh, towards the side of, I like it. I'm, a, I'm an advocate for the late bye. And this is something that we're not used to. If we're being honest, we've been having um, a lot of close to early or midweek buys. So it was bound to happen to us. Um, and this is the year that it happened. We have the latest buy possible. Um, it's given out by the NFL, which is a week 14 buy. All right, so it's time. So it's time. I guess this is what our second annual record prediction. Um, as I said before, I didn't want to delve into it on Thursday because we were wilding last year. We were wilding last year. I think I had us winning somewhere like twelve games with Ryan Fitzpatrick as our quarterback. Like, be real, Jalen. Like, come on. We were wilding last year, and I I, I did it the night of the schedule release. Uh, I think I have a video. Um, I'll try to pull it up on our social medias and things like that. Where I said that I, I think I was quoted saying that we were spanking Philly. I said that we were sweeping them, and and the exact opposite happened. Um, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to be brash. I didn't want to be as brash. I have matured. It has been a whole three hundred and sixty-five days. So I didn't want to be as brash as I was last year, um, talking about you know our record prediction and things like that. But I do we have, think believe that we have a better team um, going into this season, and I and we have the e we have an easier schedule. There was a graphic um, that the NFL actually posted on their homepage saying that us and the Dallas Cowboys have the easiest schedules in the NFL compared to the Los Angeles Rams having the hardest one. Um, and I think that, you know, that that's somewhat, you know, confusing being that, you know, we are the, the third place division, uh, the third rank, um, the third place in the division and the Dallas Cowboys are the first rank. So they play the first rank schedule. I know that we play um, similar opponents and I believe that AFC South and the NFC North. So I know we have about eight of the same opponents, but that means that, you know, that our, um, our unlike, um, our unlike opponents, our opponents that we don't share amongst each other, that means that they have, you know, equal winning percentages and things like that. So us and the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know who Jerry is tipping over there to have a first-place schedule. And I know a lot of that has to do with us being in the NFC East and, you know, NFC least, may I call it, and us being up on a bunch of bums, us being each other, uh, us being the bums in the NFC least. I know that has a lot to do with the schedule, but I don't know who Jerry tipping over in the NFL offices. I've always felt like that Jerry Jones is a de facto commissioner, and he just seems to prove it time in and time out, whether that be the fantasy, the phantom penalties against the Chargers last year to them having a first-place schedule in the NFC East and uh, playing the, you know, um, schedule with the worst win um, winning percentage or the weakest schedule in the NFL along with the commanders. Um, so that was another um, observation um, that I wanted to delve into before we got into this record prediction. And it's time for our 2022 record prediction. So, in week one, 
we go off. Uh, well, the Jacksonville Jaguars actually come here. Uh, a one o'clock start. Uh, so we start our season off against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and guess what? One and zero. I told you. I promise. I ain't I'm trying not to be brash, but I'm just being honest. If this team is as good as I expect them to be, um, and a lot of it falls on Carson Wentz, but I think we have a very, I think we have a very talented roster around them. We, we, you got to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it's a lot of storylines going into this game. Um, who knows if Trevor Lawrence is come, coming out to be, you know, the GOAT prospect that we expected him to be. I know he had a rocky um, rookie season, but uh, pairing him with Doug Peterson, who's, you know, worked fairly well with quarterbacks and things like that. He could come out guns a-blazing like Justin Herbert did last year on this. But I doubt it. I doubt it. I think that this defense uh, is coming to play. If you heard uh, Coach Del Rio's interview with uh, um, Julie Donaldson, he said that he expected defense to, you know, start off early this year and not, you know, have to play catch up in week six and week seven and things like that. I think that this defense is going to come to play. And like I said before, it just comes down to if you think, if you, you want to be the team that we expect them to be, and a lot of people, a lot of people in the Washington Commanders community is fond of this team. Um, this year, this team as a whole. So if if we want to be the team that we expect them to be, you got to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't care who they have on their roster. You get the spank Brandon Sheriff, him coming back, his first game as a, a non-Washington commander is against the Washington commander. Spank that man. I want John Allen whipping that man all game. I want you in Trevor Allen's face. I want Chase Young playing like all in for week one. I, I like RG3. I want bombs over. I want bombs to Terry McLaurin. I want bombs to Deami. That's when you start off guns and blazing. Because guess what? In week two against the Detroit Lions, at the Detroit Lions, you're spanking them too. You're spanking them too. We have a great, great chance to start off very hot at 2 and up. Because honestly, we're playing bums. I know this is a year in and year out league, but guess what? You know what stayed consistent? Detroit and Jacksonville have been bums. I know we've been bums too, but guess what? That's like picking between the tallest midget, and we're the tallest one. We're the tallest one. So if we expect, I'm going to keep harping on it. If we expect the team to be the team that we expect to be this year, you got to be teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Detroit Lions. It just is what it is. They're not even going to be having a guy like Jamison Williams. I doubt it. I doubt that he's ready by week two in the season. So you're going to be playing a team that, you know, was picking early in the draft, year in and year out. Like, we have a great chance to start off 2-0. We have a great chance to start off 2-0 going into our game against the Philadelphia Eagles in week three when they head to FedEx Field. And guess what? I got us beating them too. The first game of the Carson Wentz Redemption Tour. He's shutting up all the haters. I, I love that this game is at Washington first. I love that he gets a piece of the Eagles at Washington first with that hometown. With that hometown cooking. Because guess what? I'm going to be in the stands. I'm going to be in the stands backing Carson no matter how I feel about him. I'm going to be in the stands backing him. Because once the season starts, that's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. I'll lie to you. And I love that this we, you backing. I, I'm going to have Carson back that week. And I expect all 52 men on that roster to have his back that week. And that's why I expect him to win. Carson is amazing against the NFC East. Despite what I think about him as a quarterback, and I expect him to play, I'll play Jalen Hurts in FedEx Field. I expect it to be loud. I expect us to be supporting him. And I expect us to be starting off 3-0. and And if that is the case, that is the case. Look forward to an energetic DMV area. Because as I've always said, the DMV is better when the Washington Redskins Commanders football team or whatever you want to call them is doing good. And I can't really attest to that because I haven't seen an 11-1 season. But I remember how the 2012 year was. 
I remember that six game, that six week span where we won six in a row. And if I could feel that again, life was better. Life was better around the DMV. So if we get that three and zero start, head into Dallas in week four, head into Dallas in week four, and guess what? I got us getting the dub against Dallas, starting off at four and up. Because I think that Dallas has a, has a lot of regression this year. And while I think that they're not going to be bad necessarily, I think that they're going to take a lot of time to warm up. A lot of you getting used to because they've lost a lot of guys. Randy Gregory, Amari Cooper, Lyle Collins. They lost a lot of guys that have made an impact on that offense. Michael Gallup isn't expected to be there by week four. And while I expect Dallas to have a late push, I don't expect them to be bad by any means. I think that this this division is up to the Washington Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles at this point, unless I see some major roster changes happening through before the season. So starting off 4-0, whipping Dallas early in the season, a la 2005. And guess what? At that point, 4-0, you're going to see our names up in the, up at, all up and high in the power rankings, all up in the videos, all up in ESPN segments, all up in the highlights. We'll sign to the Washington Commanders. Because at 4-0, and I promise y'all, I'm not delusional. I'm not delusional. Again, there's a lot of bleeding BNG's, you know, expertise, expert analysis before I gave you guys this information that I'm giving you. But I do expect this to go 4-0. Like I told you guys last week, I think that this guy, I think that we have a philosophy for this offense. And how many offenses in the NFL, you know, poise four receivers that run sub four four fives? And no matter what I think about Carson Wentz, this is a guy that can throw the ball a country mile. His deep ball is one of the best things about him and his fact that he can extend the play. So I feel like we're going to catch a lot of guys by surprise, and I don't think there's a lot of 4DB sets that can check these guys. I think De'Ami Brown is poised for a breakout year. And I think we're going to start 4-0. But then in week five, the big bad Tennessee Titans come up and give us our first L of the season. So we're at 4-0 at the week five point. And honestly, I just think that, you know, we never really have success against Tennessee. We never really do. We can play our hearts out like we did in the 2018 season and play an amazing game, and guess what? We still lose. Whether that be Ryan Tannehill, that quarterback at that point, I doubt it's Malik Willis, but they still have that big bad man, Derrick Henry, in the backfield. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Tennessee had Carson Wentz's number last year. Two of his worst games was against the Tennessee Titans as a member of the Indianapolis Colts last year. One of the worst highlights of the season was that, what, that the lollipop end zone throw that he threw to Kevin Byer interception. So he sees ghosts when he sees plays Tennessee as well. So he has history with our quarterback, history with our franchise, because nothing never really goes well, like I said, when we play Tennessee. We can play our hearts out and still lose. So that's our first loss of the season. Um, starting out at 4-1 after a um, week 5 loss against the Tennessee Titans. In week 6, though, we regroup in one of our, you know, um, primetime games. I believe this is Thursday Night Football. We spanked the Chicago Bears. Because who do the Chicago Bears have? This is a team that's relying on Vellis Jones to, to be their wide receiver one. He wasn't even a wide receiver one in college, bro. They were doing Justin Fields so dirty. And if this defense, if this defense, I'm waiting for this defense to live up to the expectation it's had for what, 24 months now, two years? 
And if they finally live up to the hype, they should be giving Justin Fields fits that game. Because who do the Bears have, bro? Who do they have? I'm going to keep harping on this point. If this team is going to be the team that I expect them to be, they have to beat the likes of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Detroit Lions, and the Chicago Bears. So we're 5-1 and one at, at the week six, after week six, after our week six dub against Chicago. I may look to go to that game. I heard that Chicago's nice in the fall. May look to go to that game. If you're looking, to, if you're going to that game, let me know. May look, may look to pull up. May, 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 may pull up the Soldier Field, you know. Now going into week seven, that's an L against the Green Bay Packers. Now, no, I've heard that I've, I've heard the talk, and it's very true. It's very true of how successful we've been against the Green Bay Packers at home, whether that be the 2010 season, whether that be the 2016 season, a day I remember quite well. That was the day before my birthday. That was the day before my birthday. I remember Kirk going crazy, throwing bombs left and right, showing arm strength that I've never saw Kirk Cousins have before or since. Torching the Green Bay Packers in 2016. Or whether that be in 2018, Paul Richardson or the ghost of Paul Richardson making the one of the few plays that he made as a Washington Redskin. We've had success against the Green Bay Packers, but I doubt it this year. I doubt it this year. I think that they got Aaron Rodgers on a mission. Um, and I think that they're going to be really good this year. Um, and I think that, you know, this is going to just be a speed bump, you know, on the road to, you know, <laughs> wins. I can't tell you how many wins we're going to end up with. I can't let the cat out of the bag too early. So we're 5-2 and two after a week 7 loss against the Green Bay Packers at home. But, and this is some fire. This is some super hot fire. Going on our second stop of our Carson Wentz Redemption Tour. Week 8 at the Indianapolis Colts. We spanking them too. We spanking them too. You know why? Because the Colts aren't that good. No matter how they try to, how and, and I was, I, thought, I was kind of, I, no, I wasn't, I wasn't really. But Indianapolis has really been trying to, or the beat writers and the media over at Indianapolis has really been trying to tell you that Carson Wentz was the issue when that team wasn't really good. You had Darius Leonard just a couple weeks ago talk about how he didn't want to play football last year. Quentin Nelson was in and out of the lineup. T. Y. Hilton is washed. He he's so washed. I think he got gray in his dreads. The tight end position is sucks. Sucks. Don't tell me Moe Ali Cox is good. He's not. Average at best. Jack Doyle just retired, so you know he was on his last legs last year. They're not that good. And then you pair him with statue Matt Ryan, who I think may be a little bit better than Carson Wentz, but I think we're a better team. I think that we're a better team. And if you can contain Jonathan Allen, I mean Jonathan Taylor, excuse me, which we, we, we've done pretty good, uh, minus unless we play the Philadelphia Eagles. We've been pretty good against the run. If you can contain Jonathan Taylor, I don't see a reason why you can't win that game. So after week eight, a dub against the Indianapolis Colts, we 6-2. and two. But then it gets a little dicey. Week nine against the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk comes to FedEx Field and gives us an L, puts up an L on our heads. I think that we just feel ourselves a little too much. And you know Washington is always due for some early season disappointment, no matter how good we start the season. Whether it be 2008 starting at 6-2, and two, whether that be 2018 starting at 6-3, and three, and not making the playoffs in either of those years. You know Washington is always good for a little letdown, and I think that this is a, a spot where, you know, this may be a trap game. You know, I can see a potential big game from Dalvin Cook in this game or a big game from Justin Jefferson. 
Because I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to be good this year. I think that they take that lead with Kevin O'Connell. I think he's going to open up the playbook. Because they have weapons. They have weapons. I think a guy like Irv Smith might break out for them this year. Um, so that's an L. Um, and potentially a shootout against, you know, Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. So after week nine, we're six and three. Six and three. What is that? A six, six, six? Oh, excuse me. But I think that's a 6.666 winning percentage. Uh, winning two-thirds of your game. Um... And then at that point, you're still riding high. But then, the third stop of the Carson Wentz Redemption Tour, week 10 of the Philadelphia Eagles. He takes his first L on the Carson Wentz Redemption Tour. Um, he loses at Philly. Um, I think, wow, you know, we're 6-3. and three. I think that, you know, Philly is ruthless, man. Them Philly fans are ruthless. I think that, you know, Carson may be a little content with getting a dub here. I think that he may not hold the animosity as close to him as he does uh, – in the week three matchup. Um, and I think he may let, you know, those ruthless Philly fans get in his head. You know, because he did have, you know, all those traumatic experiences at Philadelphia. At the link. Um, so, I think that, you know, I think that, you know, he may see some ghost of Christmas past, per se. Um, and struggle in the third stop of his redemption tour. So, we take an L against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I also think that, you know, like I told you guys earlier, I think that us and Philly are the class of the division. So us splitting a series with them isn't nothing to scoff at as, at all. Um, but that winning loss record is now getting closer to 500 at 6-4 after week 10. But after that, in two weeks, week 11, week 12, I'm going to just group these together. The Houston Texans and the Atlanta Falcons, we spanking them, both of them. Both of them ended up at 8-4 and four after 12 weeks. Because guess what? Just as I mentioned with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Detroit Lions, and the Chicago Bears before, if you want to be the team that we expect to be, you have to be the Atlanta Falcons who are rebuilding and the Houston Texans who are starting Davis Mills and nobody else. Nobody else. We have a cupcake schedule. There's a reason why this is the weakest schedule in the division. In the NFL. In the entire NFL. Excuse me. And if you want to be pushing for the playoffs, you have to be beating the Atlanta Falcons and the, and the uh, Houston Texans. So guess what? 8-4 after 12 weeks. And guess what? 9-4 after 12 weeks because if you want to be the team we expect, you got to be being the New York Giants. I don't care who they drafted. They're still expected to be boo-boo because they're starting Daniel Jones. So I expect us to be 9-4 after after 13 because we spanking the Giants. We spanking them. We spanking them. We spanking them so we can kick our feet up, sitting pretty in the bye at 9-4. Torching them. They just released James Badbury. Who they got to check any of our receivers? I don't think their best recording can take De'Ami Brown at this point. Damn sure can't check Terry McLaurin. And Carson Wentz torches the Giants week in and week out. Year in and year out. Just look at his record against the Giants while he was in the NFC East. Then we go to the bye, as I mentioned, setting our feet up, sitting pretty. And we coming back from the bye at home, spanking the Giants again. Get the broom out. Because we about to be sweeping them boys. We sweeping them boys. They suck. They're going to be the doormat of this division again. They're going to be the doormat of this division again. Shea Khan can have 2,675 yards. I don't care. They don't have the quarterback. They're trying to trade Kadarius Tony. Their defense took a hit last year. They just got rid of their best corner. They, they suck. They're rebuilding. They're looking to get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. So just as I mentioned with the Atlanta Falcons, with the Houston Texans, with the Chicago Bears, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, 
and with the Detroit Lions. If you expect to be the team you expect to be this year, you beat these teams. There's a reason why they gave you the weakest schedule in the NFL. So that's 10 and 4 after 15 weeks. Then we get into the nitty gritty of the schedule heading into December. Well, we're already in December, but heading into the holiday season. Week 16. Christmas Eve. Lost against the San Francisco 49ers. This is the furthest trip that we have to take all year. And you know Kyle Shanahan wants to beat us every time that he gets a chance. And while we did beat them in 2020, that was in Arizona, I think facing them in San Francisco is a whole different beast. I think that Debo is going to end up staying with the San Francisco 49ers. I think by week 16, Trey Lance is going to be finding his footing. And I think they're going to be clicking on all cylinders as they are always late in the season. Even if you look at the years that San Francisco has struggled throughout the year overall, they do well late in the season. And I think that, you know, with this being our, you know, furthest travel being so late in the season, this is going to be something we have to get acclimated to late. And I think that, you know, this is just going to be a tough spot. And I think that the San Francisco 49ers are going to be good this year. So that's an L. So that's an L. So that leaves us as what? 10 and 5. After 16 weeks, 10 and 5, 10 and 5. Head into week 17, we face the Cleveland Browns at home with that new quarterback, Deshaun Watson. I was kind of hoping we got them early in the season. I know Deshaun faces a, or potentially faces a, a suspension and things like that. While I doubt that it's going to be season long, if you play him in week 17, he's going to be there. He's going to be there. And you know how we are with mobile quarterbacks. You know how we are with mobile quarterbacks. So I think that that's going to be an L. I think that the Cleveland Browns are going to be good this year. I think that that rushing game is going to be, you know, as consistent as it always is. But pairing it with an elite talent like Deshaun Watson, I think that Cleveland's going to be really good this year. And I think at that Week 17 point, I think they're going to be clicking all on all cylinders. And I think that's going to be a game they need in that tough AFC North with the likes of the Bengals, with the likes of them and the Ravens and the Steelers, who are never anything to be scoffed at. I think they're going to be playing hard, and I think that's going to be a loss for Washington. So then 10 and 6 after week 17. And then the season finale. As I mentioned to you guys before, I think that we're going to be pushing for the playoff push, and seeding matters at this point. Um, it's not just adding, you know, the 17th game, but, you know, having only the one seed um, clinch a first-round bye. This, um, you know, I think that was a rule change last year. I think that was the first year that that was implemented. You saw more teams not rest the starters in the season finale and things like that. And I told you, I think that us and Philly are the class of the division. So I think that Dallas isn't going to be having anything to play for, and I think that we're going to be spanking them in the season finale to bring out the bros for them and sweep Dallas. Sweep Dallas just like it's 2020, partying like it's 2020 and returning the favor from 2021. And, and, and the reason is, like I just mentioned, I don't think they're going to have much to play for. I don't think they're going to be in the playoff position. I think that so, their hopes are going to fizzle out as they play Philly a couple weeks before that. And I think that the two best teams in the NFC East at this point are the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Commanders, with us being the class of the division. And as I mentioned, Carson Wentz's record against the NFC East isn't anything to scoff at. Isn't anything to scoff at by any means. So that leaves us with an 11-6 record, what I believe leaves us with a good chance of making the playoffs. And a 5-1 record against the NFC East. 
one thing that stood out after I did my record prediction and I delved into it a little bit is that Carson Wentz went 2-1 and one on his redemption tour. His two games against the Philadelphia Eagles and his game against the Indianapolis Colts, which I love that. I love that for Carson. I love that for Carson. So maybe he can get his psyche right because I think that confidence is the biggest issue for Carson. I think that Carson is the confidence is the biggest issue for Carson. And if he can get that right early in the season with a 4-0 run like I'm projecting or like I am predicting, I think that he can ride that horse throughout the entire season like he did in 2017. While I don't think he's the same player, I think he can be put in that same type of position because I think this is the best overall roster that he's ever had, including that Eagles Super Bowl roster. A lot of the reason they went so deep and did so well in the regular season is because of his extraordinary quarterback play. We don't even need him to play that well. We don't need him to play that well. I'll take the 2019 Carson Wentz, and I think that we can win 11 games. The last trade that I want to point out, and I mentioned this so many times throughout this season, I mean, throughout this, you know, breakdown, throughout this outlook, is that since Coach Rivera has been here, you know, we played seven, we did a, we, we won seven games last year, even though I was hard, hard, and nobody wants to, you know, look at, you know, moral victories don't count and things like that. We won seven games with Taylor Heineke in a seven, in a, in a um, first place schedule last year, right? So that means that we were beating teams that we supposed to beat, and, I, and that's a trend that I've seen follow Ron since he's been here, Coach Rivera. And I think that's a trend that's going to, you know, uphold and be consistent and, you know, um, stay the same throughout the 2022 season. Um, so that's it for, you know, our record prediction. That's it for another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. I have us going 11 and 6 in the 2022 season. And at that point, you're in the playoffs. And then, hey, everything, everything goes at that point. All you got to do is get in. Win and get in. Because once you win, who knows what happens at that point. Um, you see that Robert Griffin just mentioned us as a surprise Super Bowl contender. And while I didn't agree with a lot of the premise of his statement, as he mentioned, all you got to do is get in. And I think 11-6 and six gets you in there. Uh, and at that point, hey, the gloves are off. The gloves are off. May the best man win at that point. So that'll do it for this episode of the Bleeding BNG Podcast. If you love this episode, be sure to follow us on our social media pages. Our Instagram, we're going to tag these on our YouTube video. It's at Bleeding BNG. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G, B-N-G. Our Twitter, it's at Bleeding BNG, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. So there's only one G in our Twitter handle. Be sure to check us out. We love chopping it up with our Washington Commander community over there on Twitter. Um, we post content daily over there on our Instagram pages. We try to post as much content as we can get out to you um, because we love chopping it up over there as well. Um, and like I said before, if you're following us on YouTube or if you're checking us out on YouTube, YouTube, be sure to comment, like, and subscribe. We're loving the interaction that we're doing with this Washington Commander um, family. We, we love what we do. Um, and, you know, your support makes us want to do it even more. Um, so keep supporting um, the channel, and we appreciate all the support that you guys have shown so far. Uh, be sure to be on the lookout for episode 56 of the Bleeding BNG podcast, and I'll check in on you guys later. Peace.